0: Well, good morning, church. It's great to see you. Again, my name is Drew Collins. I'm the worship arts pastor here at South Sub. And I want to start today by saying God loves you. Right where you're at, God loves you. And my hope is that as we spend time together this morning, that you encounter that love and that you get to know him just a little bit better. Uh, Today, we're wrapping up our series of talks called Essentials. Uh, Inside your bulletin is a list of statements outlining the things that we at South Sub believe about who God is, how we get to know him better, and how we want to interact with one another and with all of those within our sphere of influence. I'd encourage you to take some time this week to review those, and then let us know on your connection card or after a service if you have questions. This morning, we conclude our series By exploring baptism and communion. Back when my wife Sarah and I were oh so young and naive, uh, we decided that we wanted to spend some time living outside of our own culture, both our American culture, but also outside of our American Christian subculture. So... Uh, We packed all our stuff away, and we went off to Guatemala for six and a half months to study Spanish and travel. Now, that's not code word for we went on a missions trip. Like, we legit wanted to get outside of our own bubble. So we went just to study Spanish and travel. Um, For those of you who have been in some sort of cross-cultural experience, you'll know that there are a lot of new things to take in, some of which you love some of which you don't, and several of which you simply don't understand. Right? Uh, well, here's one of those. In Guatemala, the chicken bus drivers have this really odd affinity for Michael Jackson. For those of you who don't know, a chicken bus is a regular school bus that has been completely bedazzled. LAUGHTER um, It's used for public transportation, but just as often as not, it's used for poultry transportation, and both at the same time, usually. Now, a side note, a school bus can turn a corner a lot faster than you would think. (laughs) Just food for thought. For whatever reason, Uh, Michael Jackson's found a place in the hearts of Guatemalan chicken bus drivers. I don't get it, but I can tell you that I heard Billie Jean and Man in the Mirror more in six and a half months in Guatemala than I ever have in my entire life in the United States. And you could see these looks on the faces of the locals when this gringo would get on the bus and and, and the king of pop was just blaring. I felt kind of like I was being punked. You know, it's, it's as if the Guatemalans said, hey, listen, we exported our best avocados, um, our, our finest bananas, and our world-famous coffee. In exchange, you exported Michael Jackson. And it's like, so now, gringo, you're stuck with him. Listen, if you've gone to church for a while, uh, you might have forgotten that some of the stuff that we do As part of worship, um, we take for granted, but for folks that aren't used to church culture, it's a little weird. Do you know that? Yeah. For example, unless you are a rabid soccer fan or you attend an unholy amount of birthday parties... There is no other place in your life where you get together with a bunch of strangers, stand up, and sing at the top of your lungs. Am I right? I mean, unless you're a T-Swift fan, then I'm sure you do that at concerts. Other than that, that's not normal, okay? Um, here's, Here's another one. Most people don't use phrases like hashtag blessed, praise the Lord, or quiet times except kindergarten teachers, maybe. Um, In conversation, folks don't reference sanctuaries and biblical passages, right? They don't talk about doing life together or hearing God's voice during this season. Uh, Those phrases might make sense to some of you in this room, but not to everybody. Now, here's some food for thought. Baptism and communion, those also make the list. They are part of Christian culture, and they're rightly revered as powerful and significant parts of the life of someone who follows Jesus, but they're also outside of typical experience for most people. So today what I want to do is level the playing field and briefly explore what baptism and communion are and why they matter so much. Um, In your bulletin notes, I included a brief statement about baptism and communion. It says this, Baptism and communion are tangible ways by which we encounter God in real time and experience His grace. They help us affirm and remember that He's changed us for the better and continues to transform our lives today. Now, some churches call baptism and communion ordinances, to remember that they were commanded by Christ himself as things to keep doing. Other other churches call them sacraments. Have you ever heard them referred to that way? The sacraments of baptism and communion, which is a fancy way of saying that they're sacred and holy practices. Others reverently refer to them as dip, rip, and sip. (laughs) Write that down. That's a big one. You want to know that. However we reference them, baptism and communion, they're tangible ways by which we encounter God in real time and we experience His grace. So first, let's dive a little deeper into what baptism is. Christians baptize people because it's how we publicly welcome them into the family of God. Every person is created for family. It's hardwired into our nature to be part of a herd You know, to somehow belong. There is simply no other explanation for Raiders fans. (laughs) They just need somewhere to fit. (laughs) Listen, that innate desire to belong, it's part of why right here in our entryway, we have a big canvas that says, you belong. Because we want you to know that you're welcome here and you have a place to belong at South Sub as part of this crazy family. Um, When you get baptized you get to publicly declare that you are no longer defined by your past. Amen. You declare that you're no longer bound by who the culture or your well-meaning relatives or your Instagram followers think that you should be. At your baptism, you also take a stand against every work of evil in the world, and you declare that as someone who's received the family name of Christ, That you will be one who brings light and life and hope into the world. That's what happens when you're publicly welcomed into the family of God through baptism. But there's more. Romans 6, 3 and 4 say, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. There is so much powerful symbolism in that short passage from Romans. It says that in baptism that we're crucified with Christ. Church, that means that your worst day your worst mistake. All of the harm and pain that's been caused to you and all of the pain that you have initiated are crucified and are counted as dead and buried with you in those waters so that when you rise from the waters of baptism, you rise into new life. You're made new and your identity is as a child of God, as a member of the family, is publicly confirmed. Amen? Now, how many of you would agree that as a child, the way your dad talks about you matters? Yeah? What your dad says about you, it does a lot more than almost any other voice in affirming who you are. When Jesus was baptized, listen to what happened when he came up out of the water. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With Him, I am well pleased. Now, you had better believe that Jesus needed to hear those words from his dad he had a lot of life left to live the cross was still before him so as he came up out of the water he needed to hear that he was known and accepted by god the father that he was loved and that his dad was pleased with him now jesus himself needed to hear those words how much more do you and i need to hear them Baptism is the time where all of your past baggage is buried and where your new identity as a child of God is publicly confirmed. In baptism, you're known and accepted. You are loved, and you hear that God, your Father, is well-pleased with you. Um, I'm going to go off script for just a second because I just sensed that there, that there are some folks in here that need that message. I don't, know, I don't know what your situation is, but I know enough of life to know that um, for some of us, the things we heard from Dad were pretty rough. And for some of us, what we heard was Silence. So I, I don't know who needs that today, but I just want to say that you're loved. That God your Father loves you, and part of being welcomed into the family means that there will be people around you who can hug you, who can hold you, and who can remind you that you're loved by the Father, okay? Okay? So if baptism then is the way that we're welcomed into the family of God, communion is the way that we're welcomed to his table. Let's talk about Thanksgiving. (laughs) Specifically, let's talk about hosting a Thanksgiving meal. Have any of you done that? It's kind of a nightmare, right? (laughs) Some of you are sadistic, so you love it, but it's not easy, and there's skill involved, right? There's a lot that's involved in planning the food selection, right? Even cutlery, even the color scheme, the guest list, ambiance. What's more, at Thanksgiving, it's the host that often decides the content of the conversation, right? The host decides, for example, will there be a prayer as part of the conversation? Will everyone go around the table in turn and share something for which they're grateful? And, um... The host also decides what boundaries are placed on said conversation because family, right? Well, One of the things I love about communion here at South Sub is that we recognize that Christ is the host. Our elders and pastors, they do a great job each week reminding us that it's his table and it's his meal. That's why you'll sometimes hear one of them call communion the Lord's Supper. Now, because Jesus is hosting the meal... He decides the content of the conversation. We see it described in St. Paul's first letter to some fellow Christians in the city of Corinth where he writes, for I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. Now, do you see how Paul even, he's deferring to Christ as the host of the meal. Do you see that? He says, I received from the Lord what I'm passing on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So Jesus, at the host of the meal, look, he even decides the food that's served and the content of the conversations. Now, along those lines, how many of us, and I want, to see, I want to see a show of hands here, how many of us had all of our junk together when we were first introduced to Jesus? This is for example purposes only, by the way. I'm not in that crew. Um, for those of you who have been following Jesus for a while, how many of you have your junk all together now? Right? Look around. Take that in. Because this goes a long way in breaking down walls in church. Right? Where we're supposed to put on our game face and act like what? We have all our junk together. Right? None of us do. Okay? Um, Is it much of a stretch then to realize that apart from a gracious host welcoming us to the table, that we're kind of hosed? And so I think we can relate to this prayer from the Episcopal Church that says, we do not presume, we do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your great mercies. We're not even worthy to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us then to come to the table and partake that we may dwell in Christ and he in us forever. Amen? That's what's so awesome about Jesus. Those of you who feel least worthy are the most welcome today. Jesus, as host of the table says you who feel least worthy to approach god you are my honored guest today so we've seen that baptism it's the way we publicly are welcomed into the family of god and communion is the way we're welcomed to his table but why do we do them well the first reason we celebrate baptism and communion is to honor jesus we just read that jesus told his disciples to celebrate communion in remembrance of him And then after his resurrection, we see this. Jesus says to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we observe baptism and communion because Jesus initiated them both and commanded his followers to continue observing them as part of what Christians do. So is it a little weird to the outside culture? Yeah, it is. But when they realize they're loved and accepted by God, they'll want to get in on it. And when we participate in them, we love and honor Jesus because we're not just listening to him, we're doing what he says. The second reason we celebrate baptism and communion is to connect with God. Remember how I said that that, that they are tangible ways by which we encounter God in real time and experience his grace. Well, here's, here's an encounter I had with God in real time during communion. Um, I was at a church service, and I had not caught anything that had happened in the service. Not one thing. Also, I was the worship pastor. <laughs> um, I woke up that Sunday morning the same way that I had for the several days prior completely preoccupied with my family's medical debt. I mean, we, we were sinking. And I had no idea how we would make ends meet. So, as the guy who stood on the platform was like, yay, hey, Clappy Jesus, let's all stand and sing. The whole time, the tape running in my head was, oh Lord, I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know how we're going to make ends meet. Um, At the end of the service, we were invited to come forward to communion. I went up and I held my hands open to receive the bread. And the priest placed the bread in my hand and he wasn't like giving me a, hey, I've been reading your mail this week look. He just very casually and very, very, very uh, typically just said, hey, the body of Christ broken for you because he is your provision." I really needed that that day. I so needed to hear that. And as I held the bread, I realized that I was encountering God in real time. That there was something special happening at the table that day for me. We also connect with God through the actual stuff Of baptism and communion, part of their power is that they make use of material things, like normal, everyday things: water, bread, wine. Well, at least wine's normal and everyday in my house. I don't know about yours. Um, It might seem like a small thing, but using objects that we can see and taste and touch as means of communicating God's presence and grace has huge implications for us. It means that he cares about redeeming our physical bodies and not just our souls. It means that he cares about today and not just eternity. Right, church? Like Salvation is great because we're going to see Jesus one day, but it loses a little bit of its potency if it doesn't make a difference at all right now. Would you agree with that? Like, salvation needs to be for today in normal life, not just for someday, because I need Jesus now. And the stuff reminds us, the everyday normal stuff reminds us that God's interested in that. It, It means that he cares about redeeming our morning routines, our commutes, our workplaces, our family dynamics, our Verizon bills, our sex lives, our neighborhood barbecues. He's not just concerned about what happens in church for an hour every week. He cares about the whole week and everything that happens within that week. And if God delights to use everyday normal things to express his love for us, it means that he also delights to work in and through our everyday normal lives to transform us and the world around us. So write this down. Baptism and communion, kind of a big deal. That's very theologically astute, isn't it? And we celebrate them as ways to connect with God. Lastly, we observe baptism and communion to remember who God is and what he's done. Last show of hands for the day. How many of us are forgetful people? Yeah, and the rest of you are liars. <laughs> Humans are forgetful creatures. We forget little things like car keys and the glasses that we place on our heads while we look for them. Um, we also forget bigger things like anniversaries and birthdays and the names of our kids. Um, or when we get home from the grocery store, triumphantly celebrating that we did not forget the sour cream only to realize we forgot every other item on the grocery list, right? We are forgetful people. In the book of Joshua, chapters 3 and 4, when the people of Israel crossed over the Jordan River on dry ground, listen to what happened. Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan, Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder. Let me pause right there. What size is a stone that you have to carry on your shoulder? Right? It's not like a little pocket rocket. Right? If you're carrying it on your shoulder, it's a big stone. He told 12 guys to do this. Take up a stone on your shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. God wanted his people to remember that he did something miraculous on their behalf. Baptism is like those memorial stones. It's an event that serves as a signpost in our lives to help us remember what God's done so that when we forget who we are and when we forget whose we are, we can look back at our baptism and remember. Baptism is a one-time event that helps us remember, but communion is a recurring event that helps us remember. We've read this morning that Jesus in instituting communion said to his disciples, do this. If you need a cheat sheet, it's that big piece of wood right there. (laughs) Do this in remembrance of me. Now there's a part of the Anglican communion service where the priest retells in broad strokes, the story of salvation. You know, God created all things. He created us uh, when, when we were lost in sin. He saved us. All these kind of things. And then he ends with Jesus' own words from the Last Supper. That whole section of the service is called the anamnesis. Anamnesis, it's a Latin word, and it's the same root word that we get amnesia from. So here's the fun thing. Anamnesis is the opposite of amnesia. It literally means the unforgetting or the undoing of amnesia. So when the whole story of salvation is recounted before you come to the table, it's saying, I want to help you get rid of this amnesia. That's that's good for folks like me. And I'm so glad that at South Sub we celebrate communion every week because it doesn't take me more than 20 minutes to walk out of this place and forget who I am and whose I am. I develop spiritual amnesia every week. So to me, it's such a benefit to come to the table and have that amnesia undone by Jesus. So we celebrate baptism and communion to honor Jesus, to connect with God, and to remember who God is and what he's done. Aren't baptism and communion great? Aren't they awesome? They're so powerful and beautiful. I mean, so meaningful in their symbolism. And you know, they're also awesome because they use real stuff. They're tangible. It's like, it's like the Denver Children's Museum, except less sticky. <laughs> they're tangible ways by which we encounter God in real time and experience His grace. Now let me ask you, wouldn't it be amazing to see every member of your own family encounter God's presence in real time and experience his grace through the everyday stuff. Grandparents, what would it be like to receive communion surrounded by all of your kids and grandkids? And church, in your heart of hearts, don't you even want that for your belligerent coworker, Ned, and your horrible neighbor, Alice? Wouldn't it honestly have a positive effect on them to realize that they're known and accepted and loved? Because don't we want to hear that? That God is pleased with us? Don't we all want to be welcomed into the family and to the table? Well, we've got some opportunities to do that. We have baptisms scheduled for Sunday, August 26th. That's about a month from now. So if you or someone that you know hasn't been baptized and you want to find out more, we'd love to talk with you. If you haven't turned it in already, you can check a box that says, I want to find out more about baptism on your connection card, and we'll follow up with you this week. But we can also connect with God at his table today. Again, those of you who feel most unworthy this morning, you are the most welcome. You are our honored guests, and you are Jesus' honored guests. If you have questions about who Jesus is, if you have questions about baptism or communion, or about any of the essentials, there are going to be men and women who are leaders in the church up front after the service who would love to answer your questions, talk with you, pray with you for whatever needs you have. But remember, God loves you. And you're welcome here. As we prepare now for communion, I'm gonna invite uh, the the band and uh, Pastor Michael to lead us in our response this morning. Amen?